Hallelujah. As you're standing, take your Bibles, turn in the Old Testament to the book of Habakkuk, chapter 3. Habakkuk, chapter 3. Now, I'm excited about preaching tonight. You know, you always ought to hope the person preaching is excited about getting to do that. Yeah, it is. As Pastor Kirsten just said, it's kind of a bonus. I'm excited about preaching the word the Lord gave me tonight, and I'm excited about the title. I don't have notes, but if you're taking notes and just a little bit, if you want to write the title down, you can. But the title of my message tonight is Shake Off That Thing and Worship. Shake Off That Thing and Worship. Amen? All right, we'll read Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 17 and 18 in just a second. But you know, me growing up in the South and playing sports and even, even just playing in the neighborhood and stuff, you know, there's times when you hurt yourself and somebody says, I'll just shake that off. You know, just shake it off. You know, in basketball, the, the, the saying is, you know, no blood, no foul. You know, if you, especially in, in neighborhood pickup games. What do you mean you foul, I fouled you? You know, you're not bleeding. There's no foul. I remember one game I was playing in, in high school and I got fouled and I got fouled really bad. I mean, literally, I got scratched and had red marks on my arm, and the referee didn't call it. He didn't call that foul. So I, I, as I ran back by him, I kind of held my arm out, and he looked at it and kind of like. So he made up for it the next time I went up for a shot. The guy barely even just barely nicked me, and he called a foul because he was making up because he figured he owed me for the one that I got really hurt. All right? And I don't know, most dads, maybe, maybe, maybe you do, maybe you don't. If you're like me, most dads, you tell your kids when they – you know, when they fall down and hurt themselves, I'll just get up, you know, don't cry, just shake it off, you know, put a little dirt on it and keep going, you know, and, and of course my kids will testify what my favorite saying is uh, to them, you know, what I'm going to say something like, oh, and I'm like, what's wrong? I hurt my hand with a shovel, and it's like, well, I'm not going to ask how, but I'll be like, does it hurt? Yes, it really hurts, and what do I normally say to them? They could tell you, well, let me kick you in the knee, and then you won't worry about your hand. Now, I've never really done that, okay? But the point of what I'm trying to say is, let me give you something else to think about, and that thing that's bothering you, that pain that you have going on in your, in your hand for a moment, if I give you something else to think about, you're not going to think about that thing. And that's what Habakkuk is telling us here in Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 17 and 18. I think you're there. Let's read it. It says, even though the fig trees have no blossoms... And there are no grapes on the vine, even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty. That's like, ow, Dad, I hurt my hand with a shovel and it really hurts. Here's what Habakkuk says in verse 18. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. I'm going to read that part again. Yet... I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. Come on, let's pray. Father, I thank you for the truth of your word tonight. Lord, I thank you for your presence here. God, I pray tonight in the time that we have, the Lord, you would help me deliver this message as you've given it to me, Lord, to encourage your people, to bless your people, and Lord, to see some things that have, have tried to attach to us, some things that have tried to cause us pain, some things that have tried to cause us discomfort, and even to cause us to lose hope. Lord, give us the ability and the strength and the power by you, Holy Spirit, tonight to shake that thing off and worship you with all we've got. And we praise you, Lord, in your name. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. 
Now, have you ever been there like what Habakkuk was talking about? Have you ever had those times in your life when it looks like things just nothing's going right? You were dependent on something. You were counting on something to happen, and it didn't happen. Have you ever been in a situation like the prophet Habakkuk? Well, let me tell you tonight, if you haven't been, you will be. If you haven't been there just yet, just keep on living. Well, now, you Pastor Barry, you sound like a prophet of doom. I'm not a prophet of doom, but I'm being realistic. Life comes with problems built in. Jesus himself said that. He said, in this world, you will experience trouble. But be of good cheer, because I have overcome the world, Jesus says. So we might as well understand we're not going to get through this life. God doesn't guarantee us and promise us to get through this life without trouble, without hardships, without pain, without getting our heart broken at least once or twice. God doesn't promise us that we won't be lied on, persecuted, and despised. In fact, in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said, Blessed are you when you're persecuted, when you're reviled, when they lie about you, when they say all manner of evil against you for my sake. If you throw in some betrayal, some deception into the pot, man, it can be tough, and that can be what life can be. And all you got to do is look in the Bible and you'll, you'll see what I'm talking about. David was a great man of God. He was the king of Israel. He was a worshiper. But all of that didn't exempt David from a life of pain. If you study David's life, you'll see he was a man who endured much pain. Take a look at Job. Job was a righteous man. But he endured much more grief and pain than it would seem humanly possible for somebody to endure. And yet I love what Job said. Though he slay me, yet will I praise him. Amen? Amen? Sometimes you got to learn to just shake that thing off and worship the Lord. I could go on and on, but the point is clear. Sometimes life hurts. Sometimes things happen, and they go wrong. And sometimes there are storms, and sometimes there are even disasters. If you look in Scripture, you'll see sometimes there's people that are in the pit, and sometimes they're in the fire. Sometimes there's people on the mountain calling down fire on the peep from heaven, and sometimes that same person, you're in the cave hoping that Jezebel doesn't find you because she said she's going to kill you. There are just things, some things that happen to us all just simply because we live in this world. It's a sinful world. It's a fallen world. That's why they need Jesus. That's why you and I needed Jesus. We needed to be saved. We didn't need somebody to come and just tell us we're okay. We didn't need somebody to come and just say, you know, if you just try a little harder, you'll be okay. If you just work real hard at trying to be nice, everything will work out. You know, if, if maybe somebody's not liking you right now, so, you know, change the way you approach and talk to them. And when you do, it'll get better. Things will smooth out. That's not what we needed to hear. We needed to hear there is a Savior, and his name is Jesus. And there is only one way to heaven. And that's why he came to give his life, to die on the cross, to shed his blood, to be buried in a borrowed tomb and be resurrected on the third day so that you and I could have heaven as our eternal home. Amen? Because without that, guess what? We have no hope. And when you don't have hope, man, it makes life. You're in trouble. Amen? Yes, you are. There are some things that happen to us because we're in this world. Then there are some things that are happen to us because they're demonic in nature. They are attacked straight out of hell. Because guess what? Satan hates you. He hates me. News flash in case you didn't know that. You are a marked 
individual because you claim Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Hell is wanting to rage against you. But I love what Jesus said when he asked his disciples who I am. And Peter gave the great revelation, you are the Christ, the Son of the, you're the living God. And he said, that's right, upon this rock of revelation, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And let me just share with you that in case you think that it means that I'll build my church on this rock and when hell attacks, they won't prevail, that's not what Jesus was saying. Because I've never seen gates unhinge themselves from, a, from a, a fortress and march against an army. I've never seen gates do that. Gates are put up by the, by the fortress to protect and keep the army on the outside from coming in. So what Jesus is saying is, upon this rock of revelation that I am the Christ, the Son of the living God, the gates of hell will not be able to stop the kingdom of God being advanced from this day forward. That as you move out in faith, claiming the name of Jesus as your Savior, walking in your God-given authority, ready to rout the gates of hell. They're not going to be able to stop you and I. And, so, and because of that, we're marked individuals. I think I might. And because we're marked individuals by Satan, he's going to do everything he can to convince us that we're not worthy of the calling that God has put upon our lives. Paul tells us that in Ephesians. He prays that we would begin to learn to walk worthy of the calling that God has placed on our lives because we have been called by God. First and foremost, we've been called by, and I just deviated from my notes, but it's all right. First and foremost, we've been called to be the sons and daughters of God. The book of the Gospel of John says, for as many as believe on him, to them he gave the right to be called the sons and daughters of God. Not by the will of man, not by the will of the flesh, but by the will of the Father. So because we've been called by that, we're supposed to walk worthy of that calling. So church, lift your head up. Put your shoulders back. Not in a proudful way, but in a, in a, I'm proud of my God, my Savior, my Father because of what he's done. And I'm going to live like it. I'm not going to be ashamed. Hallelujah. But there are demonic attacks that come against us. There are attacks that come straight out of hell. First Peter 5, 8, Peter says, stay alert. Watch out your great, for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. John 10, 10, Jesus said, the thief comes not but to steal, kill, and to destroy. Now, I've said all that to get to this point. There will be times in your life when what's going on just doesn't make no sense. If I, if I can speak a little southern. My wife told me one time, she said, sometimes when you start preaching and you get going, that southern uh, just comes out. Well, I, just, I guess I can't help it, all right? Sometimes things go on and happen in our life that just don't make no sense. But you know what doesn't make no sense even more? That in the middle of those things, we begin to praise the Lord. It doesn't make no sense to those around us. And you know why praise is so important? I'm going to tell you why. Because the devil here, he, he, the devil only knows when he gets to you by our reaction. He can't read our minds. He sends fiery darts, the Word of God tells us. That's why we lift up the shield of faith. He sends fiery darts. And he can't tell if it's being effective except for the way that we act, except for the words that we say, except for the actions that we display. So when the devil starts throwing stuff at you, when life starts happening, when storms start coming your way, when disaster might come knocking at your door, the only way the devil's going to know he's effective is if we don't praise God. That's why we got to learn to shake that thing off and worship. 
Shake that thing off and worship in the midst of the greatest storm you're ever going through. Well, now some, some might say, well, pastor, you're just denying the inevitable. No, I'm not. I'm declaring the undefeatable, the kingdom of God. See, it's not like when, when you're sick and you lie and say you're not sick, then guess what? You're lying. But when you're sick and say, you know, I'm sick, but by his stripes I have been healed. By his stripes I am being healed. I am walking out my healing. I am walking out what God has brought and promised and given to me. Then you're not lying. You're just declaring the truth of what the word of God says is available to each one of us. Amen. So sometimes in our life when things are going bad, it just don't make no sense to praise God. But can I tell you tonight, church, that's what we need to do. It confuses the enemy. He scratches his head and says, but I, I, I sent that thing against them because and, and, I, I just knew they were going to get discouraged. See, see, sometimes, and I might make reference to this again in a little bit because I think it's in one of my points. God and the devil are not on the same level, and yes, that rhymes. God and the devil are not on the same level. Now, the devil has more power than you and I. He was created as a being of power. If you know, if you know anything about what the Word of God says, we know that, that Lucifer was one of the three mentioned archangels in Scripture. There's three archangels mentioned in Scripture. Lucifer is one of them. Michael's one of them. And Gabriel's one of them. And they all had distinct jobs. And Lucifer's job was worship leader in heaven. His job was the one, the Bible tells us that God, when God created him, he made within his body musical instruments so that literally when he moved, when he raised his hand, when he walked, music would emanate from him. And that music was directed towards the worship of God and the worship of the throne and the worship of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That was Lucifer's job. That's why he can't understand Whenever we're, when he's bringing an onslaught, whenever life is happening, whenever people are mistreating you, whenever things don't happen, you didn't get that promotion that you worked so hard for and you just knew that you were going to get. You didn't, you didn't get that pick for that team or, or, or you didn't get that many likes on your Facebook or people aren't liking your Instagram or stuff's not happening in your life. You know, God, I want it and I want it now. 30 seconds, God, I guess you're not going to do it. He, the devil doesn't understand when those things happen. And we say, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. I will lift up my hands in the sanctuary. I will declare, I will say of my God, I will rejoice in his name. When we do that, it, it, when we do that the, the kingdom of darkness just doesn't understand that. We got to learn to shake things off and worship. Now, when we talk about things making sense, making sense of something, we mean that it's understandable and that it is agreeable to what is before us and it's logical and it's reasonable. But Habakkuk, this man of God, was doing something that just didn't make no sense. He was standing in the midst of chaos. He was standing in the midst of loss, of emptiness and confusion and disappointment. And he did something that sent shockwaves through hell and applause through heaven. He said, yet... I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Come on, church. Basically, what he said was, I have decided I'm going to praise my God even when it don't make no sense. I may be going through a season of sickness. I may be grieving over the loss of a loved one. I may be walking through the fire of family problems and turmoil. I may be crying myself to sleep at night over my prodigals who are away from home. 
The banks may even be threatening foreclosure on my house. My company says they're downsizing and they might have to let me go. Well, when all that's happening, woman of God, man of God, what are you going to do? Shake that thing off and worship. Shake that thing off and declare the goodness of God. The Bible says I will see the goodness of God. in the. I would have lost heart had I not seen the goodness of God in the land of the living. We're breathing, aren't we? We're still upright, as they say. As they used to, as It's a southern thing, I think. It's upright and taking in nourishment. We're still upright and taking in nourishment, so we have a reason to praise God. That's why the Bible says, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. David even went on to say in Psalms, the dead cannot and will not praise God. So as long as we're alive, we need to lift up a shout. We need to lift up our hands. We need to lift up a holy roar. We need to stand in the face of opposition from the enemy and from the world and even from our flesh and declare, thus saith the Lord, I am blessed and highly favored. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> Some things we don't need to do when this stuff happens is we don't need to get angry at God and accuse him of not loving us and not caring about us. We need to do what David did, encourage ourselves in the Lord. Get our praise on, amen? And, and, and hey, don't get your praise on just when, when Brother Toby or Minister Mike or somebody hits the, hits the right note on the key. Okay? Get your praise on in the, in the, in the morning. I heard, heard somebody say, I'm getting old. I can't remember everything I, every, from where it was that I heard everything that I've heard. But I heard somebody say, you know, the Lord is our, the Holy Spirit is our helper. So why not first thing in the morning when you wake up say, Holy Spirit, thank you for who you are. You're my helper. I need your help today. And I'm just going to praise you for the help you gave me yesterday. I'm going to praise you that you watched over me in the night. I'm going to praise you that my eyes popped open this morning when the alarm clock went off instead of, Oh, God, it's morning. We should say, good morning, Lord. Another day you have given me. Get your praise on. Keep your praise on. Put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Open your mouth and praise God. Give him praise that's due his name. Because, see, in case you didn't know, God never promised us a problem-free life. I already mentioned what Jesus said. Here's a couple other scriptures. Isaiah 43, verse 2. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. He didn't say if. He didn't say, you know, under certain circumstances, if you're living at a certain time and a certain age, and when the, when the persecution gets really bad, you might end up facing some of this. And if you, by chance, see that you're about to face some of this, don't worry, I'm going to be with you. He said, when? That tells me we're going to go through opposition. That tells me we're going to face spiritual warfare. But it says that he will be with us. We will not drown. The flames will not consume us. Psalm 34, 19, the righteous person faces many troubles, but the Lord comes to rescue, to the rescue each time. Or, as the King James Version says it, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth them out of them all. Church, let me tell you, when God says all, he means all. 
So what's our job? What's our, what are we supposed to do when we're going through those afflictions, that, the many afflictions that we face? What are we supposed to do when we're waiting on an answer that we're desperately needing? What are we supposed to do when we're going through the flood, when we're facing the fire? What are we supposed to do? Praise him, worship him, declare his goodness. And you know, worship and praise isn't just through singing and worship and music. That's part of it. Worship is an attitude. And it's an attitude of gratitude. Because, see, there's a whole lot of folk out there that don't know how much Jesus loves them. There's a whole lot of folk out there that haven't given God an opportunity to invade their life, to, to change their life, to remake them and remold them into the new creation the Bible talks about. There's a whole lot of people out there that haven't experienced that. And so when they face tough times, they don't know what to do. When they face tough times, they pick up the phone and call 1-800-GIVE-ME-A-WORD. They run to the, I, I, use, I could save newspaper because, long again, I'm old. Many years ago, that's all we had was a newspaper. Now they can just click on it. But they run to the horoscope and find out what their daily horoscope is for today. We're not supposed to do that? No, we're not. We're supposed to trust in the Lord. We're supposed to depend on the Lord. We're supposed to run to the Lord. We're supposed to cling to the Lord. We're supposed to depend on him for everything. The Bible says in him we live and move and have our being. Peter tells us that in through Christ, through Jesus, we have everything we need for life and godliness. So that's what we're supposed to do whenever we face these things. Turn with me real quick to the book of Acts, chapter 27. I want to use a story in the life of Paul that don't make no sense in the natural to help us understand this concept of shake that thing off and worship even better. Because where I was going with the worship thing is we worship through service to others. We worship through our attitude of maintaining our attitude. Paul, as you're turning to the book of Acts, Paul says in the book of Colossians, set your eyes, set your mind, set your affection, set your thought upon the things above, not on things below. Does that mean you walk around looking at the sky all the time? No. It means you pray and you ask God, Lord, help me see, how, see things the way you see them. That's what it means when he said set your mind on things above, not on things below. Because we can get too busy looking in, at, at what social media tells us, at, at what Hollywood tells us, at what, at, at what Dr. Phil or Dr. Oz or anybody else tells us, and we can get really worried, and we can get, oh, am I going to get that? You know, one of the worst things is, uh, I don't even know, that I can't think of the name of it right now, but you can, you can get on Google and you can type in your symptom, you know, WebMD. Now, is there some benefit to that? Maybe. I'm sure there is. But you know, sometimes you can get overwhelmed with the, you know, I, I've, got a, I've got a cough that, you know, every, every third swallow, my throat hurts, and, I, <clears throat> and you type that in, and it's going to come up with a list of things and possibilities. And all of a sudden, you can begin to get under oppression and depression and worry and anxiety. So we need to set our, thing, our thoughts, our mind, our affections our eyes on things above. God, how do you see things? Lord, teach me to see things through your eyes. Lord, teach me to see the world around me, the people that are lost and dying around me through your eyes, not through mine. It's changing our mindset. It's that, Lord, my hand hurts. Well, let me hit you in the knee. No, let me change your perception. Let me change your perspective. Let me give you a different way of, of looking at something. And when you look at it through God's eyes, we won't, it won't look as bad. As it looks through our natural eyes. All right. 
Acts chapter 27 and 28 is a story in the life of Paul. We're going to learn four things from this story tonight. And I'm going to summarize real quick, and then I'm going to read some of this uh, in detail through each one of the four points. But basically, Paul became a prisoner of the gospel. In fact, he knew he was going to be a prisoner of the gospel. That was one of the ways that he knew he was going to get to go to Rome and be able to stand before Caesar and all the officials in Rome and declare the gospel. So he became a prisoner for the gospel. And in this passage, Acts chapter 27, it tells us that Paul in chains was on a boat. And this boat was making a trip, and it was sailing, and, and, and Paul had a feeling, and he began to tell because they'd had some rough weather, and they'd been to different ports, and they were trying to figure out the best route to go, and it looked like the, the, that they should be ready to set, set sail, and Paul said, he, he said, and I'll, I'll give you the specifics in just a minute, he said, we don't need to make this voyage. If we make this voyage, things are not going to go well, but they ignored him, the word says, and they, they sailed on the advice of the captain. And as they sailed, a big storm came up, and they were afraid they were going to drown. This storm was, was really, really bad. It was buffeting the ship. It was rocking back and forth. They started throwing stuff overboard. The soldiers thought about killing the prisoners and throwing them overboard to lighten their load. It was a bad day. I don't know if you've ever had a bad day like that, but Paul was having a bad day. And in the midst of that, God appeared to him and said, uh, God told him, he said, hey, everybody's going to be okay. Just don't leave the ship. Well, that don't make no sense. We got lifeboats. We got life jackets of some type. Way back then, I'm sure they had some kind of flotation device. We got, we got these things to do in this scenario. We should be doing that. And Paul says, listen, I'm telling you, don't leave the ship. If everybody stays on the ship, everybody will be safe. We might lose the whole ship. But nobody's going to lose their life. And the, the, the storm rages. The ship's torn apart. Everybody makes it to safety and they get to dry land. That's the story in summary. Here's four things that I want us to see from this story. Number one, you aren't exempt even when you're doing the right thing. I think I've already established that through what I've just told you and the verses I just shared with you. You aren't exempt from storms. You and I are not exempt from disasters. You and I are not exempt from things that drive us to our knees and we cry to our Father in heaven, Lord, I do not understand. And can I just, this is just a side note, something that the Lord has taught Jan and I. And I'm going to take a stop for just a second. I'm very thankful and proud to have my family sitting on the front row. They mean the world to me. Oh, yeah, come on. They're amazing. Some of you know our story. Some of you don't. They are some of the strongest individuals I have ever known. And I couldn't be more proud to be associated with them. They let me hang out with them. And I'm really thankful for that. But one of the things that, that the Lord has taught Jan and I as we've gone through some of the things that we've faced, it does no good to ask God why. Because when we ask God why, we're questioning his sovereignty. Better instead of asking God why, ask God, what do I do now? What do I do now? 
What do I do in the face of this disaster? What do I do in the face of this financial ruin? What do I do in the face of this situation that I didn't see coming, that came out of left field, that seemingly came out of nowhere? What do I do in the face of I'm doing everything right that I know to do and it still happened? What do I do? And that's something we can learn from Paul tonight. Because we are not exempt when doing the right thing. After Paul's Damascus Road conversion, Saul the persecutor became Paul the missionary, the preacher, the evangelist, the church planter. And all it did was get him arrested and imprisoned and persecuted. And now in this passage, handcuffed to a centurion soldier on a boat headed for a disaster not unlike the Titanic. We are not exempt, church, even when we're doing right. And so when you think about that, I'm sure everybody says, quick, tell me where do I sign up for that kind of life? Where do, oh, come on, somebody, don't hold me back. Let me volunteer for that. You can read the passage there, 27 verses 1 through 12. I'm not going to take time uh, to read all of it, but in verse 10, actually we'll go to verse 9. I'm reading from the New Living Translation, by the way. I have been all night. Forgot to mention that. We had lost a lot of time. The weather was becoming dangerous for sea travel because it was so late in the fall. And Paul spoke to the ship's officers about it. Verse 10. Men, he said, I believe there is trouble ahead if we go on. Shipwreck, loss of cargo, and danger to our lives as well. But the officer in charge of the prisoners listened more to the ship's captain and to the ship's owner than to Paul. And since Fair Havens was an exposed harbor, a poor place to spend the winter, most of the crew wanted to go on to Phoenix, farther up the coast of Crete, and spend the winter there. Phoenix was a good harbor with only a southwest and northwest exposure. Basically, they were saying, Paul, we appreciate what you have to say, but we're not really interested in what you have to say. In fact, we really don't appreciate what you have to say. Why don't you just sit there and be quiet? After all, you are just a prisoner. Our captain and the owner knows better. We're gonna, we can't stay here because staying here, we'd get locked in by winter and we'd never get out of this harbor. But we're going to go further up the coast and when we, we're going to get to a place that if we have to spend a few days or a little bit of time, it'll be a better place to spend. So here is Paul, radically saved and turning the world upside down for Jesus. And he's heading for disaster, it would seem, and he's done nothing wrong. There are probably many in the house tonight who can relate to that. But let's keep going. Second thing we can learn from Paul tonight, disasters may happen and they aren't even your fault. Not only are we not exempt from things happening when we're just because we're doing what's right, but disasters may come upon us and they're not of our making. They're not of our fault. If you look at the next section of Scripture, verses 13 through 20, they set off sailing, and it, it says they, they went to several different places. The weather changed abruptly, verse 14 says, and a wind of typhoon strength called a nor'easter burst across the island and blew us out to sea. The sailors couldn't turn the ship into the wind, so they gave up and let it run before the gale. Now, if you've, if you've been on a boat, you know what that means. Verse 18, the next day as gale force winds continued to batter the ship, the crew began throwing the cargo overboard. The following day, they even took some of the ship's gear and threw it overboard. Verse 20, the terrible storm raged for many days, blotting out the sun and the stars until, all, until at last all hope was gone. It, the storm was so bad that they couldn't see the sun by day and they couldn't see the stars by night. They were lost. 
Because if anybody, if any of you know anything about sailing, one of the ways that sailors plot their course, they chart their course by the stars at night. And you can, be, you can get tossed in a storm, and if you can't see the sun to know whether it's coming up in the east or setting in the west, you don't know necessarily which direction you're going if your compass is broke, if your GPS is on the fritz. And at night, if you can't see the stars, man, you're lost. And in fact, the writer of Acts, which was Luke the physician, Paul's traveling companion, he says that it got so bad until at last all hope was gone. Talk about things going from bad to worse. For Paul, things go from really bad, a really bad day, as Luke put it, to losing all hope of being saved. Church, have you ever been tempted to lose hope? What a terrible place to be in. We all need hope. Paul said it himself in Romans chapter 5, verse 5. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. So when we hope in God, we're not disappointed in that hope. Solomon tells us in Proverbs 13, 12, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. Other passages, Titus chapter 3, says because of his grace, he made us right in his sight and gave us confidence and hope that we will inherit eternal life. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. This is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory and a hope that vastly outweighs all of those troubles and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can now see. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. Church, what's your hope fixed on? What you can see around you, the circumstances around you? Is your hope fixed? My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust and lean on Jesus' name. Hallelujah. A few more verses. 1 Peter 1, 3. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus from the dead, and now we live with great hope and expectation. Romans 15, 13. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Oh, church, how we need hope. Can I tell you tonight, if you're within the sound of my voice, if you're watching this on, on Facebook Live or if you listen to the podcast later, if you are beginning to feel like, man, hope is lost, if you're beginning to feel like there is no hope, if you're beginning to feel like, you know, I've been serving and I've been trying and things are happening and I just don't understand and I don't know why and I'm about to give up hope, can I tell you, do not give up on hope in the Lord. Trust in God. Do what David said, Psalm 43, 55. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. Church, we have so much to hope in. His name is Jesus Christ, and he is our hope, and he will never fail. So let's keep going. Because number three, when you face the storm, God will bring you through. Whether it's a storm of your own making, if you repent, 
he will bring you through. If it's a storm of the enemy, he will bring you through. If it's a storm of natural living in this world, he will bring you through. Acts chapter 27, verse 21 says, no one had eaten for a long time. Finally, Paul called the crew together and said, men, you should have listened to me in the first place and not left Crete. Paul made it plain. He didn't really mince words. He didn't worry about being passive aggressive. He didn't worry about whether he hurt people's feelings or not. He gathered, he called everybody around. I think by this time they were ready to listen. He said, guys, you should have listened to me. <laughs> we, we should have not left Crete. You would have avoided all this damage and loss. But take courage. None of you will lose your lives even though the ship will go down. For last night an angel of God to whom I belong and to whom I serve. See, there's that praise in God in the midst of the storm. Declaring who God is. He stood beside me and he said, don't be afraid, Paul, for you will surely stand trial before Caesar. What's more, God in his goodness has granted safety to everyone sailing with you. So take courage, for I believe God. It will be just as he said, but we will be shipwrecked on an island. The Holy Spirit just spoke to me and said, encourage somebody in this. Listen, if you're going through a storm, people around you are watching. Your family is watching. They may be depending upon you to not lose hope. They may be depending upon you to not give up. They may be depending on you to keep holding fast to your faith and that confession and profession of faith. And when you do, everybody around you will be saved and be delivered and make it through the storm because of your willingness to stand true and strong. That's why Paul told the Philippian jailer when he said, what must I do to be saved? He said, believe on the Lord, confess with your heart, and you and your entire household will be saved. The angel of the Lord told Paul, not only am I going to spare you. See, God could have said, Paul, I'm just going to spare you because you were the only one that was listening. All those other people, they weren't listening to me and they weren't listening to you. So too bad, so sad, so sorry. See you later. Bye. But that's not what God said. God said, tell them, encourage them that in the midst of this storm, if we'll... God has promised me that he'll not only deliver me, but he's going to deliver everybody else. We're all going to make it. We're all going to make it. Verse 27, about midnight on the 14th night of the storm, as we were being driven across the sea, the sailors sensed land was near. It says they dropped a, the anchor and found water, a weighted line and found the water was about 120 feet deep. A little later they measured it, it was only 90 feet deep. So the water, they were getting closer and closer to land. And they feared that they would soon be driven against the rocks of the shore. I'm just going to kind of go down through this. Verse 42, I told you the soldiers wanted to kill the prisoners to make sure they didn't swim ashore and escape. But the commanding officer wanted to spare Paul so he didn't let them carry out their plan. Then he ordered all who could swim to jump overboard first and make for land. The others held on to planks or debris from the broken ship so everyone escaped safely to shore. That's one thing we can learn from Paul tonight. We're not exempt from storms when we're doing right. The storms and disasters may come upon us, and even when it's not our fault, but when they do, God will bring us through the storm. God will bring us through the storm. Storms will happen when you're doing good. They will rage against you and I. When we bring them on ourselves because of our bad, wrong choices, then we need to repent, as I said. But they'll still try to destroy us. Because there's a bad devil who wants to destroy us, storms will happen. Remember, God and the devil are not on the same level. And the devil already knows in his heart he's defeated. He already knows what Jesus accomplished on the cross. But see, he even lies to himself. The Bible says that the devil is a father of lies. That means nothing that comes out of his mouth is the truth. Everything that comes out of his mouth is a lie. Everything that he thinks is a lie. So he thinks it's for some reason, somehow, even though 
Jesus defeated him on the cross. And the Bible says that God, through what Jesus did, made an open display of the defeat of Satan. That Jesus descended while he was in the grave. He descended and took back the keys of death, hell, and the grave. And led, and led all those that had been waiting on that day, all the saints of the Old Testament. He led them out of captivity. And Satan was defeated. He knows that. And yet he still lies to himself that he's going to win, that somehow he's going to defeat. That's why he's going to try to carry out his plan. And the one area, the one way, the only way that Satan will be victorious is every soul of mankind that he takes with him to hell. That's why God wants you and I to be involved in advancing the kingdom of God, even in the midst of storms. That's why God wants you and I to realize our God-given right and authority to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ caused the world to figure out what to do about us instead of us trying to figure out what we're going to do about the world. How are we going to handle what the world's doing? No, the world needs to figure out how they're going to handle us because we carry the truth and the message of the truth. Storms will happen. But, however, in spite of, even though all those things may be true, here's a greater truth. God will never leave us nor forsake us. He is and will be the strong tower that the righteous can run to and be safe. Under the shadow of the Almighty, under his wings, we can find rest and protection and safe passage through the greatest storms in life. Jesus led his followers into a boat sailing into a storm, and he went to sleep because he knew that they were going to make it to the other side. He said, we got to go to the other side, guys. So if Jesus says, you're going to go through this storm, you're going to go through the other side, you're going to get somewhere, that's because there's a reason for you getting to the other side. There were, there were people dependent. There was, there was souls dependent on Jesus getting to, on the other side. And that storm came up, and Jesus didn't sweat the storm. He didn't worry about the storm. He laid down and took a rest. Now, the Son of God, God in the flesh, needed to sleep. Well, he was God in the flesh. And he took the time to, to rest and sleep. But I think even greater than that, he was teaching you and I that we can rest in his arms. That we can taste and see and know that the Lord is good. That we can depend on him to be our very present help in time of trouble, as scripture says. He knew they needed to get through that storm because they were needed on the other side for a miracle to take place. And that's the last point tonight of the th four things we can learn from Paul in this story in his life. Quickly in review, we can learn that we're not exempt from, from bad days and bad situations even when we're doing good. That when we face storms, we, that we will face storms and it's not even our own fault. And when we go through those storms and disasters, God will bring us through. And the last thing is, some of the greatest victories in our lives come on the heels of a bad situation. Acts 28, verse 1. Once we were safe on the shore, we learned that we were on the island of Malta. See, they were so confused and lost, they didn't even know where they were. But they showed up on, they, they made it safely to the shore. It says, verse 2, the people of the island were very kind to us. It was cold and rainy, so they built a fire on the shore to welcome us. Verse 3, as Paul gathered an armful of sticks and was laying them on the fire, a poisonous snake driven out by the heat bit him on the hand. The people of the island saw it hanging from his hand and said to each other, a murderer, no doubt, though he escaped from the sea, justice will not prevent, permit him to live. Verse 5, but Paul shook off the snake into the fire and was unharmed. The people waited for him to swell up 
or suddenly dropped dead. But when they had waited a long time and saw that he wasn't harmed, they changed their minds and decided perhaps he was a god. Verse 7. Near the shore where we landed was an estate belonging to Publius, the chief official of the island. He welcomed us and treated us kindly for three days. As it happened, as it happened, Publius's father was ill with fever and dysentery. Paul went in and prayed for him, and laying his hands on him, he healed him. Then all the sick people on the island came and were healed. As a result, we were showered with honors, and when the time came to sail, people supplied us with everything we would need for the trip. Do you understand, church? Do you understand, church? When something tries to attach itself to you, depression, worry, anxiety, fear, you need to shake it off and just worship. Because when you do, you might have gone through the worst storm in your life. But if you've learned as going through that storm, I will praise the Lord. I will bless the Lord. I will shake off that junk. And I will worship Him. Then you're on the, coming right on the heels of that can be the greatest victory and the greatest miracle that you and I will ever experience in our lives. Listen, sometimes I'm as dumb as a box of rocks. Sometimes I don't get it. Sometimes people who love me, they look at me and scratch their head and say, how <laughs> did you not see it? But every once in a while, every once in a while, something rises up in me. And beyond my own natural ability, the Lord gives me the ability to persevere and keep going. There was a time when something happened, a tragedy happened. And because I was the senior pastor, and because I had a congregation that was dependent upon me to bring them the words of life, dependent on me to be the shepherd and be the pastor, I couldn't sit down and go, God, why? Oh, God, I don't understand. God, I, you know what I did? My wife can testify to it. I went and shut myself in with the Lord. And when I got up in the pulpit that Sunday morning, I had people, and I'm not trying to brag, I'm bragging on God. I had people tell me that was one of the greatest messages I ever heard you preach. And my wife told somebody who knew the situation and knew what was going on, said, my husband decided to do what he knows best how to do. And that's declare the goodness of God and preach the truth of the gospel. And as I did, you know what? It didn't change the reality of the tragedy that we were in the midst of. All it did was help me keep my perspective focused on the right thing. I was shaking that stuff off. I wasn't going to let that stuff cause me to turn my back on God and to run away. I was determined to follow him. I would like to tell you I've done that right every time, but I haven't. Like I said, sometimes I'm as dumb as a box of rocks, but God is good and the Holy Spirit is gracious and he comes and says, hey, let me remind you just shake that thing off. Just shake that thing off. They all survive. They make land. They're wet and cold. What does Paul do? He doesn't have a pity party or say, I told you so. I mean, he already kind of did say you should have listened to me. But, but they all got there, and he, he was wet and cold. I mean, it had been a really, really, really bad day. I'm sure somebody, some of them probably were sick. Didn't feel too well. 
Some of them who had hung on to the boards and the debris because they couldn't swim. I'm sure there was a time when they thought they might not make it. I've experienced that. Listen, I love to play in the ocean. I don't like to swim. There's a difference. When I was a senior in high school on our senior trip, we went, we went to my, my high school. We were able to raise the money. We went to the Bahamas as a bunch of seniors. Not necessarily the best idea, but we went anyway. And one of the things that was, was part of our uh, agenda was we went out on uh, a sailboat to go snorkeling over a coral reef. So I thought, I'll try it. Now, again, I don't really like to swim. I can swim. I can keep myself from drowning most of the time. I haven't drowned yet. But I don't really like to swim. So I thought I'd try this snorkel thing. I couldn't get it down. I, instead, of, instead of exhaling when I come up to, to, to get another breath, I was sucking in the wrong time and getting, getting ocean water in my mouth. And I was starting to get a little tired. And I, I, I was looking around, and, man, there was some waves coming up. And I needed to get to the sailboat. And I found myself getting fatigued and tired. And I began to panic a little bit. Finally, I just did what I knew to do. I rolled over on my back and figured, well, my legs are a little bit stronger than the rest of me, so I'll just, I'll just kick with my legs, and I'll just, and it was like if you could crawl on water on your back, that's what I was doing, and I made it to the boat. So I know a little bit about what it's like to, to experience just a little bit. These guys had lost it all, and some of them had clung for dear life. Their life depended on hanging on to that piece of wood, and they made it to the shore, and they get there. And Paul doesn't have a pity party. He doesn't sit down and say, God, why? I've been preaching the gospel. I've been planting churches. I've been, I've been see, being a missionary. I've been evangelizing. Why is this happening? Paul looked around and began to worship through his service. He began to worship through his service. He looked around and saw all the crew and the soldiers and the, and the captain and everybody that had survived. They were wet and cold and somebody started a fire. So Paul went over and he gathered a bunch of sticks bunch of wood to help feed the fire and as he gathered it and he got closer to the fire he was holding them in his hands and scripture tells us that when he got close to the fire because of the heat King James says a viper which is a poisonous deadly poisonous snake came out of the bundle of sticks and bit him on the hand now it's interesting that whether and I don't think because I think Luke would have recorded it right we don't see Paul drop the bundle of sticks and say, okay, enough's enough. Are you kidding me? Really? Look, I'm just trying to serve. I've already been through this. I tried to tell them, God, we don't need to sail. I tried to tell them, bad idea, and they didn't listen. And then, we, then, I, had to, then I had to encourage them. After they wouldn't listen to me, I had to be the voice of reason in the midst of the storm and tell them everybody's going to be saved. And then we had to swim. You know how far that swim was, God? I had to swim all the way to shore. And now I'm just trying to help people out. Really? A snake? Don't say any of that. It says the snake bit him and hung on to his hand because it says those are the, the natives on the island saw the snake hanging there. And then it said, Paul simply, I believe. I believe Paul simply looked at it, kind of chuckled a little bit, <laughs> and shook him off into fire. Because see, that's how ignorant, dumb the enemy is. He tries even up to the last minute to get you and I discouraged, knowing that if we'll stand in our authority, knowing that if we'll do what's right, knowing that if we'll worship even through our service, that he's not going to be victorious. He still tries anyway. So I kind of look at it kind of like Paul. What 
time is it? Oh, y'all are gracious. I'm almost done. I look at it like Paul kind of looked at that snake and went, <laughs> you idiot, and just flung it off in the fire. The fire is significant, church. The fire is significant. Listen, and we're going to have two types of altar calls tonight. We're going to have an altar call for salvation or rededication and commitment because as Pastor says, and I agree wholeheartedly, we never want to gather together without giving somebody an opportunity to get their life right with God. The second one is we're going to have an altar call for you to begin to shake off some things that have tried to attach themselves to you, that are trying to hinder you, that are trying to hurt you. And see, the fire is significant because the Bible tells us that the Holy Ghost and fire, we will be baptized by Jesus in the Holy Ghost and fire. And see, it took the fire, the heat from the fire, to expose that snake. It took the heat from the fire to expose that viper. And the very source that exposed that thing was the source that destroyed it. Oh, somebody get a hold of that tonight. When the Holy Spirit begins to expose in your life and in my life those things that are sneaky, they haven't been seen yet. They're trying to attach. They're, they're, it hits themselves to us. They're along for the ride. And we get a little close to the Holy Ghost and allow the fire of God to burn in our hearts and our lives. It begins to bring stuff out so that it can be dealt with. And so the very source that exposed it becomes the source that destroys it in our lives if we will let us. Oh, thank you, Jesus. That's why it's so important for you and I to do what Habakkuk says to do. That's why it's so important for you and I to follow Paul's example. Though the fig tree be barren, Though there be no oil from the olive oil, from the olives, though the, the, the crops be destroyed and the cattle are dead, though it looks like disaster at every turn, yet I will praise him. And as we worship God, as we praise him, as we worship, we begin to shake off that stuff that the Holy Spirit reveals in our lives. We begin to shake it off. Addictions, afflictions, things that have tormented us for years, some things that we didn't even know about, some things that were hidden, and they were going along for the ride. See, if Paul wouldn't have gotten near the fire, there's a chance that snake would have stayed in that bundle of sticks. Maybe Paul would have gone and thought, well, there's enough, fire, enough wood on the fire right now. I'll just take this and keep it near my tent, or, or not my tent, my, my piece of ground, because they didn't have tents, they didn't have anything. I'll just keep it here beside me. But he got near the fire. And when he got near the fire, it was exposed. And then he allowed the fire to be the agent that destroyed it. Come on. Let's let the, God, let's let the Holy Spirit do what he wants to do tonight. What are you going to do tonight, church, when things don't make no sense? Worship. Shake it off. Shake that thing off and worship him. Stand with me all across this place. Again, thank you. You've been gracious. Come on. Just begin to worship him right now, right where you are. Just begin to lift your hands. Begin to worship him. He is worthy. 
Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your revealing, refining fire. Yeah. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. All of you tonight, within the sound of my voice, you would say, not only is some little snake attached itself to me, I'm not, I'm not sure, I'm not confident that I have hope in God that I have eternal life as, as my hope. I'm not sure of that. And you want to change that tonight. We want to give you an opportunity. Maybe tonight you've never asked Jesus into your life. You've never repented of your sin. Ask him to forgive you and ask him to become your Lord and Savior. We want to give you that opportunity. Or maybe you did and you have, but things just haven't been going right and you begin to doubt and you begin to lose hope and you just want to be assured. You want to rededicate, recommit yourself to the Lord. You want to be assured of your salvation. If that's any of you tonight, would you just lift your hand all across this place so I can pray for you? Any of you tonight, as you lift your hand, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on. Let's do this, everybody, tonight. Let's all reaffirm our faith in Jesus. Let's all reestablish our relationship with the Lord tonight. Repeat this prayer after me. Father God, thank you for loving me enough to send your son Jesus Christ the Savior to die on a cross for me to take my sin upon himself and shed his blood for me forgive me Lord of my sin cleanse me Lord of all unrighteousness I know that you love me I will love you, and I will serve you all the rest of the days of my life. Thank you for saving me in your great name. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap of praise tonight. All right, I mentioned to Brother Toby before service, I said, you'll catch from the gist of my message. We need to do some worship and shake some things off. Listen, when you worship God, you're focusing on Him. You're not denying that those things are there. You're not denying that that addiction. Why do you think we had somebody during worship come forward and throw down an object of their addiction? Because they were worshiping God. And suddenly as they were worshiping God, their worship to God caused that to be greater than that pull of that addiction. So we're going to worship. We're going to sing. I encourage you, get out from where you are. You'll be dismissed in just a minute. But get out from where you are. Begin to worship and shake that thing off. Shake off that stuff that's trying to hold you back. Shake off that stuff that's hindering you. Come on, let's do it. Step out from where you are if you want. In fact, I ask you, step out and begin to worship the Lord tonight. Rejoice, for the death has lost its power. Rejoice, for the victory is ours. Oh, sing you heavenly choir. Come on, church, lift your voice.
of God. Listen, he's been good to us. If he does nothing else, he did enough for us to praise him for the rest of our days. Hallelujah. I hope you got something tonight. I had a lot of fun and enjoyment sharing that message with you. Pastor Kirsten, why don't you 
officially dismisses. Minister Ava, are you on? You got your team here? No, not tonight? Okay, right on. Hey, take somebody by the hand right there next to you. Why don't you pray for them? What a great way to start our week. What an encouraging word. Reverend Barry, thank you so much for delivering the word, encouraging us. Come on, why don't you pray for them this, this evening. Father, we thank you, Lord, for such a wonderful time together in your presence, in your name, rejoicing. Thank you for your word released in our life. Lord, we start off this week and start off the rest of our lives rejoicing regardless of our circumstance. We're going to praise you all week. Lord, I pray, oh God, your power be released through us. Help us this week to walk in the Spirit. We give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. See you Wednesday.